You know the saying, and my life changed overnight. That's what happened to Monica Glennon in 2015. She went to sleep one night as a mother, wife, good citizen, but woke up as the most hated woman in the city, all because of cyberbullying. Today's episode considers a very important topic which it never hurts to learn more about. Cybercrime, or virtual crime, increases daily. It can present itself in different forms, including cyberbullying and cyberstalking. And it is very important that these terms are explained and exemplified. Bullying is a form of physical, verbal or psychological aggression where an individual or group systematically attacks a victim because of their appearance, behaviour or something that does not align with the aggressor's standards of normality. Cyberbullying is the practice of bullying in a virtual environment. It includes the deliberate exposure of intimate photographs and embarrassing montages which result in a negative judgement of the victim's physical appearance or social behaviour. Cyberstalking is the same as cyberbullying, but it is done repetitively via various communication platforms and is commonly carried out by a single person. The intention is to harass and possibly scare their victim. Aggressors often use fake profiles in the belief that they are protecting their real identity, but they are not. Well, now that everything is explained, let's get straight to today's case. Monica Glennon was born and raised in Poland, but at around the age of 20, she immigrated to the state of Alabama in the United States. Uncertain of her career ambitions, she decided to try the real estate market where her fluency in three languages would be advantageous. Monica began as a residential real estate agent for the international Remax franchise, where for 16 years she built a solid clientele and earned an excellent reputation in the local market. In 2015, Monica's career was going well. She and her husband, Scott Glennon, had a home in Huntsville, and although they both worked a lot, they still had time to enjoy travelling and participate in various activities with their teenage children. But all of that drastically changed one morning in September 2015, when Monica was woken up at 6am by message alerts on her cell phone. As it was still very early, she at first ignored them, but the messages didn't stop. Her assistant called, which was unusual so early in the morning, and she decided to answer. The assistant asked her to check the Remax Facebook page and see what a person wrote about her. On accessing the page and reading the message, Monica went into shock. The post was made on Remax's public Facebook page. The message said the following... Monica Nika Glennon was recommended to my husband and I as reputable realtor when we were new to Huntsville, Alabama, and were looking to buy a home. My husband's job relocated us to North Alabama. Monica works for a large local realtor branch. My husband and I initially met with her to go over our specific needs, wants and budget of our prospective new home. We rented an apartment and enrolled our two children in school while we house-hunted. Monica showed us around 8, 
10 homes, and while we still had no found the perfect house for us, we were pleased she was working so hard to help us find our home. In the meantime, I found a job and was settling into my responsibilities there. We had a last-minute appointment with Monica to show us a house that was for sale, but had no yet been put on the market. There was a glitch at work for me and could not get away. I called my husband and told him to go ahead and view the house. The next paragraph is not complete, but it's possible to understand that this person managed to get away earlier than she thought, because the words realised I could are seen. I arrived at the home and went to the front door. I saw my husband's car and Monica's car out front, so I knew they were there. The door was unlocked. As I entered the home, I wandered around the first floor making notes about the granite countertops in the kitchen, the gas stove, gas fire, etc. All of that probably took five minutes. I figured they were in the backyard. I went upstairs with pen and phone in hand, making notes and taking pictures to refer to later. When I walked into the master bedroom, my heart stopped. There on the plush white carpet was my husband and our realtor, Monica Nika Scott Glennon. I was frozen for a moment. My feet felt like lead weights. They didn't even notice me standing there as my husband pulled out, slash, pushed her off and ejaculated all over her chest and face. I immediately composed myself and started snapping pictures of both of them naked and obviously engaging in intercourse. Then I started screaming. I honestly can't remember what I was screaming. I was so upset. I'm sure it was a string of expletives. I got pictures on my phone of her and my husband completely naked, with her on top riding him. Then, more of them both in various stages of putting their clothes back on as well. I just got out of there as quickly as possible after that. I know she thought I was going to call her boss and try to get her fired, but I didn't. I didn't for the following reasons. Monica Nika Scott Glennon had no obligation to me. I was nobody to her. It was my husband who had a commitment to me, to our children. He married me. He took vows to be my husband and to forsake all others. He was the problem in this scenario. If he had not been willing to cheat on me, she wouldn't have been riding him. Don't get me wrong. She knew he was married. She was on nasty slut who didn't care. She was guilty of being a disgusting skank of a woman one who will go after your husband if she finds him attractive. I believe she is married as well. The pictures I snapped sealed the fate of this situation. I made my husband move out. I met with an attorney the next week and filed for divorce. The pictures I took of them made my divorce go very well for me. I got everything. I got every dime of the sale, equity, of our previous home. I got child support and alimony too. I didn't just get even, I got it all. Low down, sorry ass husband. I'm posting this because I want to warn other women about this woman and encourage you to stay away from her. Do not use this woman as a realtor, Monica Scott Glennon. She's a person without remorse or moral compass. 
She is the enemy of decent women everywhere. But I've come out better than okay. My divorce was final two months ago. I just bought a nice home for me and our children. I'm going to be just fine. I want to thank the creators of this site. You are providing a platform for women to come together and to comfort and warn each other about women like Monica, Nika, Scott Glennon. Love to you, ladies. Along with this message, the profile posted a photo of Monica's business card. Who in the world would do this? Who would spread such a malicious lie? But in that instant, the only person who knew that it was a lie was Monica. The Facebook post was made by someone called Brian Baxter. It was clearly a fake account due to the fact that it had only been recently created. It had no photos, no friends, and this post was the only activity on the account. This image was of an anonymous post originally made the previous year on a website called She's a Homewrecker. It included a photo of Monica. Brian Baxter just took a screenshot and posted it on Facebook. She's a Homewrecker is a website where women who discovered they have been cheated on can post photos of their partner's lovers to defame them in public. The site allows anonymous posts of any photo without permission, without proof. They can even include their target's home address and workplace. The posts on this site are mostly short, but Monica's was long and full of details. The first thing Monica did was wake up her husband and show him the message. He was also perplexed. Scott trusted his wife and believed her. In her shock, she claimed that it was all a lie. Hours later, Monica realised that the text was also replicated to the Remax corporate office email and as a private message via Facebook to many of her friends, her parents, her in-laws, her husband and children. Even with Remax's social media department removing the post from the page, before noon, three of her clients cancelled appointments with her and that week alone, more than 20 appointments including property visits and signing contracts were cancelled by clients. The couple registered the incident with the police and it was directed to the cybercrime sector. Seven days after Brian's post was published, it had more than 6,000 shares. With so many people sharing it, you can imagine the number of people who viewed the post. Monica fell into a deep sadness. The couple thought that people would realise that it was a tasteless prank. But the fallout from the post didn't stop. On the contrary, it only got worse. Monica's phone started to receive messages from men inviting her to do shows for them and sending her nude photos. Soon, the same thing started happening to her co-workers. Other brokers in the same franchise received messages asking if they also would engage in these activities. It was really getting out of hand. Monica and her husband were suspicious of other brokers, friends and family, reaching the point that they were unable to trust anyone. The message had a very personal tone, and no matter how much the two tried to investigate, they were unable to find any trace. Even though Remax had deleted the post from their Facebook profile, 
The original post continued to be shared through Brian Baxter's profile. The original post on the She's a Homewrecker website was also still active. Monica sent a message to the site asking them to remove the post, but was informed that they couldn't do anything because the site allowed people to share their opinions freely. If they had to delete a post for offending someone, they would have to delete all the posts on the site. When researching this site further, Monica discovered that it was basically created by ultra-traditional conservative women who felt they had the right to use freedom of expression in this way to protect society. So she and her husband engaged in a private legal fight. They hired lawyers who prepared a letter requesting an investigation and removal of her name from the website, but nothing happened. As if everything that was happening wasn't bad enough, some months later, Monica was let go from her job. As brokers or service providers, she lost all her income and consequently also lost her health insurance. The couple faced significant financial difficulties. In addition to relying on her husband's salary, they were also spending a lot on lawyers. It was becoming increasingly difficult to deal with people because people often made comments such as, where there is smoke, there is fire. Additionally, some of their relationships with friends and family were damaged. Monica and Scott felt that they were increasingly alone in this battle. The lawyer's requests, sent to the social networks She's a Homewrecker, Facebook, and at that point also to Reddit and Twitter, were not acted upon. Companies on these platforms are protected by Section 230 of the United States Internet Legislation, approved as Law of Communications Decency Act of 1996, which provides immunity for publishers of third-party content sites. In other words, these sites do not take legal responsibility for anything that is posted by users. As they also did not receive any news from the police investigation, the couple changed strategy, and in 2016 they hired a new lawyer who specialised in stalking cases called George Kobler. Kobler discovered that the business card used in the post was originally from the Re-Max page. This photo was not in the public domain and was protected by the company's own image rights. This means that no monetizable vehicle could use Monica's photo, and with this argument, he managed to file a lawsuit against the sites in federal court to have the She's a Homewrecker post removed. The lawyer also asked for the IP of the profile that made the post to be revealed. This request was accepted. Upon receiving the IP information, Monica was surprised to discover that the person who made the post was a woman called Molly Rosenblum, a complete stranger, someone she had never met in her life. In order for us to understand this moment in the case, we will need to go back in time to a crucial point that until then had gone unnoticed. Hey, você se interessa por crimes reais, serial killers, coisas macabras e tem um senso de humor um tanto quanto sórdido? Se sim, você não está sozinho. Se você precisa de um lugar recheado de pessoas como você... 
Venha conhecer o podcast Pátria Amada Criminal. Todas as semanas tentamos entender o pior da humanidade. Nesse processo, a gente ri, chora, fica brava, fofoca. Porque, afinal de contas, é assim que a gente fala quando está entre amigos. Suas novas melhores amigas trevosas estão aqui, no Pátria Amada Criminal. A year before all this happened, in 2014, a 16-year-old girl unknown to Monica and unknown to the stalker posted a photo on Twitter of her while visiting Auschwitz concentration camp in Poland. In the photo, the teenager is smiling and the caption of the post read Selfie in the Auschwitz concentration camp and next to it, a smiling emoji. As soon as the photo was posted, it became controversial and there were aggressive comments directed at the girl calling her a Nazi. She recanted saying that Like other tourists, she had taken several photos, that this was not a prohibited practice. Her visit to Poland had been a desire since studying history and that she meant no disrespect to the memory of those who died there. On July 25th of that year, 2014, CNN's WHNT News 19 programme aired this report and asked viewers to give their opinion on their social network. Many people commented, some alleviating the situation and others criticizing it. Monica was one of the people who commented along with more than 500 other messages. Monica said something like, I don't think we can take this too seriously. Because she was a teenager, she probably didn't intend to offend anyone. Teenagers do things without thinking and I see no reason why they should disturb this girl's life so much. It was at that moment that Molly Rosenblum, disagreeing with her opinion, decided to disrupt Monica's life. She then posted on She's a Homewrecker. So with her identity revealed, Monica started publishing the discovery on her social networks in an attempt to make people finally realize that the story was fabricated. At the same time, she wanted to contact Molly herself But on the recommendation of her lawyers, she did not do so. Molly was officially notified and on March 19th, 2017, she wrote an email to one of Monica's lawyers. A somewhat strange message with pointless points and moments in which Molly herself places herself as the victim. The email said exactly the following. I'm saddened and grieved for Mrs. Glennon's disrupted life and the pain I've caused for her and those whom love her. In active mental illness and addiction, I've said things and done some things for which I regret. Internet trolling on her part is no excuse for the malicious lie I wrote about her. She did not deserve it. At the time, I felt attacked and she simply hurt my feelings by not being kind with her words. I would have availed myself sooner had I been aware she was seeking my identity. At the very last, my public retraction of that story. I've suffered with lifelong, documented mental illness. I self-medicated in desperation and became further unstable. I was in the throes of methamphetamine addiction when I did this horrid act, wrote this lie. I wish mere words could adequately convey the depths of the sorrow, 
to have hurt her as I have. I'm unable to work and have been hospitalized many times throughout my life because of my illness. As a young woman, my husband, Brian Alviso, committed suicide in my presence, which exacerbated the symptoms of my illness. Since I became aware of Mrs. Glennon seeking a retraction, I've considered what and how I could make this right. I own nothing and live on a small disability check. I have no means to monetarily compensate Mrs. Glennon for her loss of business, she claims. I will commit to buy one lottery ticket per month for the rest of my life and split the winnings with Mrs. Glennon. I am fully willing to sign any documentation that will eliminate cached data from any and all websites containing references to the original post. I did not spread the story all over the internet. I shared it to one site only. As I've researched this issue over the past days, I've become aware of someone, presumably a man, who shadowed my story. Perhaps he knows her himself. Perhaps Mrs. Glennon attacked AKA trolled him on the internet as well. But that's merely conjecture on my part. I somehow doubt he had any involvement in our difference in opinion on the news story that precipitated my made-up lie. There aren't a lot of Jewish people in this area. I sometimes feel isolated in my lineage as a result. I'm well studied in World War II Holocaust issues. Mrs. Glennon made light of Jewish suffering in her response and initiated dialogue with me to my comment. Veiled anti-Semitism hurts. I've faced it many times, a chubby Jewish kid with epilepsy and glasses in the Deep South. I refrained from expressing that publicly. Somehow it seemed my doing so would not serve to make Mrs. Glennon whole, but rather hurt her reputation further. To be cleared as an adulterous slut, yet outed as a Polish immigrant, anti-Semite hardly seems a desirable trade. Anything I can do to ease Mrs. Glennon's pain, anger or loss. I am fully and wholeheartedly willing to cooperate. However, I will protect myself by making that initial contact public. Should Mrs. Glennon care to continue a public campaign of this meta? I could argue she has received a million dollars in realty sympathy advertising as a result of this case. I do not wish to shroud my life with this negative, unforgiving energy, which is why I seek an amicable way to satisfy Mrs. Glennon. I have $54 in checking, of which I generously will turn over to Mrs. Glennon. I have no money to hire counsel to answer her complaint. I can't compensate her perceived financial loss. I have a 20 years old van that barely runs and a little boy about to turn 12 years old on Tuesday. I saved money for two months to buy him a birthday gift. Today, I am truly happy. I make amends to those I've wronged when the opportunity presents itself. I see a therapist and attempt to navigate through the wreckage of my past. I used to believe life had not been kind to me. Today I find great joy in the azaleas I just planted and hopeful the blueberry brushes I recently adopted will bear fruit, if only just a small bit. Today, life is what I make of it. 
I find great peace each day in a relationship with God, and there is my answer to her complaint. This email was republished by Molly herself on her Facebook. As you can see, she said that she was not responsible for disseminating the original post on the internet. The person who did this was Brian Baxter. The post on She's a Homewrecker was made in 2014, and Brian spread it widely in 2015. After Molly's identity was published, Monica was still waiting for Brian's IP to be identified. As soon as the information came out, it proved that Molly really wasn't lying about it. The person responsible was called Hannon Lupian, a California resident who was discovered by the court to be posing as a kind of virtual justice seeker. This woman probably had absolutely nothing better to do with her life and spent her days on sites like She's a Homewrecker, taking the names of those involved and spreading them far and wide. In her mind, all of this was to protect people. The court collected evidence of more than 500 online activities where she defamed and spread defamation against several people. For example, she would find a comment from a woman complimenting a man on Instagram. She would locate that person's account and that of her husband or boyfriend, then send a message to them from a fake profile causing discord in their relationship and possibly even greater damage. Monica was just one of her victims. In addition to the Brian Baxter profile, she had several other profiles she used to make comments on her own posts. For example, in the Remax post she posted as Brian and then with other profiles she made comments like, this woman needs to be sent away. Then with another profile she said, I already knew this Monica, she really hit on my husband. Then she came with another profile and liked everything. In other words, she created both the post and the subsequent audience engagement. Considering that cybercrime is a crime in the virtual sphere, it is not difficult to consider Hannon Lupian as a cyber serial killer because she literally destroys a person's entire virtual presence. Upon being identified and contacted, Hannon immediately deleted all her social media accounts and became virtually incommunicado. She spoke only through her lawyers. In September 2017, two years had passed and nothing was progressing in a way that would really help rebuild Monica's reputation. So, with a feeling that she at least needed to understand why all this had happened, Monica contacted Molly directly via Facebook with a private message, against the advice of her lawyers. I honestly don't know why you decided to destroy my life. What you did took on such huge proportions. It can't stay like this. What did I do to you? What do I need to do to get my life back? Molly replied to the message and said she wanted to speak to her in person. Monica suggested that they meet in a public place. Such a meeting is considered by experts to be a very big risk and not recommended in such cases. But she went anyway. The two met at a breakfast restaurant. Monica's husband took her there and waited outside. Molly arrived, introduced herself 
and started the conversation by apologising profusely. She said she thought Monica was a neo-Nazi. Their conversation lasted about four hours and they both cried several times. They told each other what their childhood and lives had been like and Molly cried when Monica explained the consequences of her action. Molly also repeated that at that time she was struggling with depression, had just lost her husband and was under the influence of prescription medication. At the end of the conversation, Molly promised that when she returned home, she would calmly try to remember the login and password for the profile she created on She's a Homewrecker to delete the original post. To everyone's surprise, the site did not allow posts to be deleted. So until further action was taken, Molly wrote in her own post and on her Facebook a message recanting and admitting to having invented all that and explaining that it was all just a big lie invented by someone with depression and who had horrible feelings towards other people. I am unable to remove the comment above about this woman, Monica Glennon, being anti-Semitic. After meeting with her in person today, I am convinced I was terribly wrong about what I perceived at the time as anti-Semitism. I was wrong to have posted this, and fabricated the story about her on she'sahomewrecker.com. This behaviour on my part has damaged Mrs. Glennon's personal and professional life as well. It is my deepest desire to rectify my former sentiment and set right that indeed Mrs. Glennon is not as anti-Semite, and I deeply apologise for the harm my slanderous words have caused her, her husband and friends. Mrs. Glennon is in fact a kind and compassionate person with whom I share many common values. Please accept my deepest regret for the harm I have brought to the lives of her and those whom love her. In December 2018, Monica was able to recover financially and professionally. The court ruled in favour of Remax for the allegation of copyright infringement in the use of the photo and in favour of Monica for the allegation of defamation, invasion of privacy, intentional infliction of distress and unlawful interference of commercial relations. The total compensation amount is $219,425. This is the amount she should receive from Molly and Hannah alone as she's a homewrecker, Facebook, Reddit and Twitter have not suffered any consequences. You know when we open a profile on these sites and we need to check some terms of use boxes. They have the link to the terms which mostly no one reads. But that is where the warning is that if you comment you will be responsible for what you said. Everything published by someone on these sites is the user's responsibility and that user will have to bear all the legal consequences of their actions. Monica is aware that she will most likely never receive the money she is entitled to from the convictions, but at least she legally proved that it was all lies. She rebuilt her career little by little and underwent a lot of therapy to overcome all the psychological damage this incident caused. Today she is fine, 
But her husband Scott comments in interviews that he feels that the wife he knew in the past, the young woman who believed so much in human beings, who approached life with an open heart, was now a closed, cautious person and who at times grew fearful in everyday situations. Three years of an innocent person's life, destroyed by a single lying post, created and propagated by people who had nothing better to do, but the tables turned. Monica may have had consequences, but is recovering, while Molly Rosenblum and Hannon Lupian will probably spend the rest of their financial lives in the crosshairs of justice. Hey, você se interessa por crimes reais, serial killers, coisas macabras e tem um senso de humor um tanto quanto sórdido? Se sim, você não está sozinho. Se você precisa de um lugar recheado de pessoas como você, venha conhecer o podcast Pátria Amada Criminal. Todas as semanas tentamos entender o pior da humanidade. Nesse processo a gente ri, chora, fica brava, fofoca, porque afinal de contas é assim que a gente fala quando está entre amigos. Suas novas melhores amigas trevosas estão aqui no Pátria Amada Criminal. 